Good morning. It is Monday, July 10th. It's five minutes after 11. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's, he's Rob Kendall. He's on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and I'm there as well, Casey Daniels 317 Also on Instagram and the TikTok. And we're both on YouTube right now. Type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. You know something we're not doing, though, Casey? What? Running for governor. That's true. We are one of the few. (laughs) After much prayer and consideration, I'm excited to announce my campaign for governor of Indiana. That is what Curtis Hill said. Yes! Let's go! Yes. He said Hoosiers are hungry for a proven conservative leader with the courage to stand up for the traditional values upon which our republic was built. Okay, so we are scheduled to have Curtis on Wednesday. Wednesday. I knew uh, late last week he was going to do this announcement, mm-hmm. and uh, Wednesday we are scheduled to have him on. Now, I have said this uh, many times. I like Curtis running for governor because Curtis is an agitator, and he is an agitator of the people I really don't like. And so thus, Curtis, I hope Curtis treats this as a revenge tour because Curtis, um, <laughs> so for those of you who may not no. Curtis Hill was the former attorney general for the state of Indiana. He was the 43rd attorney general. He was the leading vote getter in the entire state in 2016, even beat Donald Trump. And Curtis Hill made the egregious mistake of daring to challenge and push back on Governor Eric Holcomb on a variety of issues because Curtis Hill is a conservative uh, and Curtis recognized what the Republican Party what at the time was becoming under Holcomb and the way Holcomb was behaving, and he pushed back on a whole bunch of things. Curtis then made a, uh, we'll view it as a bad choice to enter a social environment by which there were people who were not necessarily his friends and interacted with people who were not necessarily his friends. And the Details of that account vary based on what actually happened in that public setting. However, what did happen because of it was no criminal charges were filed. The special prosecutor looked at it, declined to press criminal charges. Holcomb's ethics chief looked at it, said no ethical violations occurred. The lawsuits related to it have mostly been dismissed slash thrown out. The only thing that did happened to Curtis is he was given a slap on the wrist related to his law license because, and you'll laugh at this, Casey, attorneys are supposed to be held to a higher standard than (laughs) the rest of us. And see, you are laughing at this. Mm -hmm. So Curtis Hill's life was drugged through the mud because Holcomb and Hupfer and the rest of the establishment, Good Time Fun Gang, were desperate to get rid of him. Uh, Holcomb, think about this. Holcomb and the Good Time Fun Gang sprinted to their nearest podium, all of them, to demand his resignation and step aside before any of the facts were out. Ultimately, the facts bared out no no criminal wrongdoing, no ethical wrongdoing, nothing. And yet we have not heard a single solitary word from these people about Jim Lucas, mm-hmm. who has pled guilty to DUI, fleeing the scene, and now it came out, had THC in his system. Yeah. So the guy who pled guilty and did all the stuff and admitted he did it, not a word from the Good Time Fun Gang about that, but Curtis Hill, who was never charged with anything, not even an ethics violation, right. oh, he's got to resign, he's got to step aside, he's a plague on society. They went after Curtis because Curtis was, was a thorn in their side. And Curtis put himself in a bad situation. 
I think if you hooked him up to a truth serum, he would tell you he wishes he had it to do over again. But ultimately, Curtis is a big name. He's a big voice. He'll be able to raise money. And he has zero cares to give. Casey, I couldn't be more excited about this. Okay, the thing about him announcing that he is running is just as we have just done over the past few minutes, the one thing we went back to, the allegations that were brought up against him. And is that something that he's going to have to deal with throughout this entire race? Oh, absolutely. And 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 he, look, look that will be the knock against him. And it's why he was not reelected attorney general of the, of the state of Indiana. And Todd Rokita, being the opportunist that he is, saw an opportunity there um, to exploit what he believed Curtis was vulnerable on and said, hey, look, I'm just as conservative as Curtis, but without the baggage, pick me. And that's ultimately what happened. Curtis is going to have to address that. It's mm-hmm. obviously going to come up. I would assume his opponents in the Republican primary are going to bring it up. Are absolutely going to bring it up, um, and he's going to have to just let the voters judge him based on that. Now, again, if I'm Curtis Hill, I'm going to say, "Look, did I put myself in a bad situation? Yes. Is it a situation if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have been there? Yes. However, and he, to, to Curtis's credit, he said it from the beginning. I did absolutely nothing wrong. I committed no crime mm-hmm. and even look if anybody wanted to find something it would have been Holcomb's ethics chief yeah couldn't find an ethics violation that's well, how little the guy did wrong and this is going back to when the me too movement was in full force but this is going to possibly turn into an expensive fight for governor's race here in Indiana because you got Mike Braun you got Suzanne Crouch now you have Eric Doden who actually Look like he was doing something on the campaign trail this weekend. Like he's been rather than just getting six hundred thousand from right, his dad. Like he's just been missing an action, and all of a sudden, boom! He popped up at an event, and now you've got Curtis Hill throwing his hat in the ring, and that's just the Republican side. And, and look, let me say this: there's a lot of things Curtis did as Attorney General, as I'm praising Curtis, that I don't necessarily even agree with. There's a lot of some of Curtis's politics I don't agree with. However, here's what I do agree with. And here is why every single person should consider. Now, I'm not endorsing Curtis Hill. I'm not telling you to vote for Curtis Hill. I'm not I'm not doing that. And and there's a good chance. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But given my affinity for for rainwater, that I'm probably not going to endorse in a Republican primary. Doesn't mean I won't. We'll see how it plays out. But everyone should consider in a Republican Party primary voting for Curtis Hill for one reason. During COVID, Curtis Hill is the one guy who not only stood up to Holcomb effectively, but stopped Holcomb effectively. Eric Holcomb tried to put you in jail for not wearing a mask. And nobody in the General Assembly, other than John Jacob and Curt Nicely, tried to do anything about it. They were very ineffective because two against 150, it's not going to matter. But Curtis Hill is the one guy who stepped up and said, you cannot do that, Eric Holcomb. You cannot just create criminal penalties out of thin air. And within 24 hours of Curtis Hill standing up to Eric Holcomb, he withdrew that from the executive order. If you are a person who hated what Holcomb and the state of Indiana did during COVID, you absolutely, absolutely owe it to yourself to at least consider. I'm not telling you to vote for Curtis, but you owe it to yourself to at least consider doing your research to vote for Curtis Hill because he's the one person who actually stood up for you. Okay, so he tried to make a political comeback previously. Didn't he try and replace Jackie Walorski? He ran in the caucus to replace Jackie Walorski. Mm-hmm. 9,833 people ran in that caucus. He got second. Rudy Yakum, who was the hand-picked person by Walorski's people, yeah, right, won, and then Curtis got 
second. So I don't know if that harms him necessarily. It wasn't like, oh, you got a distant eighth. Um, we'll see. I mean, he's got he will fundraise. He will be the most conservative person on the ticket. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a lot of conservative people behind him. Now, my fear on this is that he will split votes with Mike Braun, and you're going to end up with Suzanne Crouch mm-hmm. as the the beneficiary of all this. Okay, so Curtis Hill, 62 years old. He, uh, what, he was 14 years as a prosecutor in Elkhart County. Yeah. I mean, as someone who lived in northern Indiana, I've heard his name for many, many years, but he is anti-abortion, and he also is very tough on crime. And, and most important... And Curtis has zero cares to give, and we'll talk to him about this on mm-hmm. on Wednesday when he's in. He is going to say all the things, and all he's going to say all the things that need to be said. And I hope he's going to talk about Holcomb, and he's going to talk about the administration, and he's going to talk about the Indiana General Assembly, and he's going to talk about we're going to maybe actually have a candidate who has a plan on property taxes, mm. a plan to deal with skyrocketing gas taxes. Maybe we will finally have someone in this race who at least spark a conversation on these things and gosh darn it casey we have an agitator in the race this is gonna be so great yeah it will be good 14 minutes after 11 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc let's talk about what's going on with janet yellen can we she bowed not once not twice but three times when she was in Beijing uh, meeting with the vice premier, she mispronounced his name, by the way, uh, she just concluded this four day visit and she said that the meetings were productive and they were putting the relationship back on sure footing. But here's the deal. Why is she bowing to them? I know that they like that. But who cares what they like? You're not showing any sort of strength when you go over there and submit, because that's what it was. It was submission of our uh, Treasury Secretary. Well, we saw it during Obama, the Obama mm-hmm. era, too, where you know he, he bowed. And look, the, the Democrats- That's their, co- that's well, their culture, well, not ours. Well, but this is what it's about. The Democrat Party does not believe in America's special place in the world. They believe, and it's their own words, you don't have to take it from me, that we are just another country- who fits into this big world melting pot that we need to play by the rules that everyone else plays by, that we are not better than anyone else, that we are not any more special than anyone else. And they have gone to great lengths, both under Obama and now obviously under Biden, to make sure that America just tries to fit into the jigsaw puzzle that is the world. And so that's mm-hmm. what the bowing is, right? It is their custom to do that. So we're going to do that because, well, we're just another another country out there when the reality is America is better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. We are the greatest idea ever conceived by man. We are the most special country that's ever existed in, in next to Israel for obvious reasons going back a very long time. But, but it, it, certainly in the modern world, America is the last hope as slim as it may be for a better world right we are the driver it is it is absolutely incredible that the democrats do not believe in american exceptionalism and they showcase it every opportunity they get on a foreign stage. Okay, so there's been a lot of talk that both nations have this obligation to manage their relationship and there's like what 700 billion dollars on the line trade with china but 
They're more dependent on us when it comes to that right now because they have this really, really slow recovery from COVID. And we're going over there and submitting to them. Which is worse? Do you think the fist bump was worse or do you think the bow was worse? I know two different countries. I'm talking about the fist bump that Biden did in Saudi Arabia. I, I personally think the bow is worse because that is it's saying that we're less than we're submitting to china well yeah you're right and part of the deal with the fist bump the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. of you know biden flapping his gums about you know saudi arabia this and Mm -hmm. you know killer that and you know whatever tyrants whatever word de jure he was using then to go over and and put yourself on even footing with in not even a handshake like world leaders might do it's you know a fist bump hey we're amigos we're buddies yeah. we're pals that's pretty egregious but you're right casey china would gladly wipe america off the face of the earth mm-hmm. saudi arabia has as we've talked about a somewhat vested interest in a relationship with america because they're trying in many capacities as we've seen through the live golf tour, et cetera, to westernize their culture. And we are a key in that. Now, do they like us? No, but they understand we're a big, they want to work with us. They're a big player in that. China would, China China doesn't want to work with us. Absolutely. So uh, Ron DeSantis was asked uh, about Biden's approach to China and he is not a fan. And yet Janet Yellen just went to China and bowed to Communist Party officials a couple of weeks after Anthony Blinken pretty much did the same. What are you going to do to stop this aggression from Communist China in your first week in office then? Give us specifics that you want to change with regard to the relationship with China. Will you reverse the uh, most favored nation trade status on China? What else can be done? So I I favor doing that. I think we probably need Congress, but I would take executive action as appropriate to be able to move us in that direction. Uh, Two, I would recognize that China is a threat. This idea of the happy talk that you hear from Yellen, oh, we're just, you know, it's a healthy competition. No, they're the number one geopolitical threat this country faces. Uh, And what we're going to do is we're going to have a new commitment to hard power in the Indo-Pacific. At the end of the day, what China respects is strength. Uh, And if you're sure showing strength and we have hard power to back it up, uh, they're going to be much less aggressive. And my fear is under Biden uh, is his weakness is really inviting China uh, to do more, not just in in their own theater. We see them doing more in our own hemisphere uh, here in the West. And so there'll be a a new day on day one. Uh, We're going to recognize the threat for what it is, and we're going to take appropriate action. Well, that sounds a little stronger than sending a tired waitress from the world's dirtiest diner to do your work. (laughs) what they've done with Janet Yellen. Hey, when we come back, can we yeah. get into this Elton John stuff? Yeah, let's do it. 20 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hold me close now, Tony Danza. What? <laughs> 22 after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Elton John, surrounded by his fans from around the globe. He gave his final farewell concert. This happened in Stockholm after 50 years of live performances. I was thinking about this. Elton John has been singing songs and putting out music and touring my entire life. Same with yours. Yeah. So, okay. So a couple things about this. Number one, do we believe this that it's is really it? done? 
Yeah. Do we do we believe this is it? Probably stadium tours. I'm going to say yes. Okay. So the, we mentioned earlier that Hammer and Nigel are giving Eagles tickets away, mm-hmm. and they were on a farewell tour, and then just decided, I guess we're going to keep going. <laughs> and I look, I give them credit. They're not stopping. Right. They did yeah. not stop. We were going to keep going. And they said in the press release that I read, look, if we leave open the idea that, say, Indianapolis. If Indianapolis sells out at a certain time and people want more tickets, then maybe we'll keep. We're going to come back and do, you know, another show. We'll play as long as people want to. People want to see them, you know. But we're not. Once we stop, we're going to stop. So I, I guess, cool. Do we believe Elton John is done? I mean, he is not a young. Not to say that seventy six, you should be, you know, locked away in a museum somewhere. But seventy six is, you know. It's a you're getting a little long in the tooth. Now he's not uh, he's not uh, James Brown up there on stage, so you know he, he doodles around at a piano. It's not right. like it, it requires a lot of physical exertion, but it's, that that's well. I think as far as going on a tour and having a stadium shows and market to market to market, night after night after night, yeah, I think he's probably done with that. As far as maybe a one night only, a special occasion, or he's just going to show up and do a special performance. Yeah, he'll probably still do that. But as far as touring, no. Okay, so I where, think he's done. So where are we at with this? Because there's two schools of thought on the aged rockers, right? Mm-hmm. There is the school of thought that as long as someone wants to see you and gets joy out of seeing you and is willing to part with their hard-earned money to see you, mm-hmm. then who am I to judge <laughs> someone choosing to make that? Sure. That if they like his music, they want to go see him, that's their choice. However, then there's the other side of it, which is how do you wish to be remembered? So, you know, people from my parents' generation, the great hero was Mickey Mantle, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the, you know, the the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. He could run, he could hit home runs. And at the end of Mickey Mantle's career, it was some old guy worn down by time hobbling around the bases. Nobody wanted to remember Mickey Mantle as that, or Johnny Unitas, or, or, or Joe Namath. And so with these guys like Elton John you reach kind of a point where it's like, do you want the last time somebody sees you to be feeble with hip pain and barely strolling across the stage to the microphone? No. And I think that's why he's hanging it up because he knows those days are over. I'm actually struggling with this right now because Bruce Springsteen is on tour Mm -hmm. and the photos that I have seen because he has not toured in a long time, he looks really old. Well, he has gotten older. Well, he is old. Right. But, but but, but, okay, so if you go, but my point is, if you go to a Neil Young concert, right, Neil Young looked old when he was 25 (laughs) years old, right? Billy Nelson's been the same age for 40 years. And while the Springsteen tour is second only to Taylor Swift this year in terms of revenue being generated, and he's still selling out stadiums, Mm -hmm. for me as a fan... It's not the same show. The last time I saw him... Seven years ago, he was still old then, but he played for three and a half hours at the United Center at Chicago, and I was more tired than he was by the time it was done. <laughs> and I, I, I see these photos now of him looking much older, and I think I don't want that to be the last thing I right. remember seeing yeah. in person. So I, I I can't go. Like, he's playing at Wrigley Field. And I was like, man, that would be so cool that to go to that. That would be fun to see that. But, but, I, but I, you also don't want to see him exit stage left hitting the oxygen exactly, tank in right? between songs. So for me, I'm 
I'm out. I will yes. go out on a three and a half hour show that was just incredibly awesome. So I, I, I give the guy credit if indeed he's done mm-hmm. for saying there is something about even if the people still want to see it, you have enough money mm-hmm. and you don't want people to remember you as anything other than being the best. Right. Enjoy your time. Go out while you're on top. He probably passed that moment, by the way. He probably did. But but a guy who doodles around a piano can like Billy Joel or whatever can hide it different than it's one of the things about Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's still fabulous and he's 9,000 years old. (laughs) Yeah, he's still running across stage. Although I think his voice is starting to go just a little. But if you went, let's say by some stretch of the imagination, Led Zeppelin got back together Mm -hmm. and you saw a now gray-haired Jimmy Page and an aged, haggard Robert Plant. They're not the rockers you grew up with, It would right? still be, yeah. minus John Bonham, because John, if John Paul Jones were it, it would still be Led Zeppelin, but it wouldn't, it would not be, it would not be the same. So yeah. different people who have different physical attributes or things they bring to the table can hide it better, ma- mask it better, whatever. Do you think Elton John is one of the all-time greats? Where do Here, you rank him? Here's my beef with Elton John, and we've had this conversation. Yeah. Clearly, in terms of hits, mm-hmm. longevity, longevity, mm-hmm. but I cannot give Elton John a Mount Rushmore status because he didn't write the words. Exactly, exactly. It's not his music. To me, it's Bernie not his Taupin music. Bernie Taupin deserves yes. just as much recognition. It's a t- it's a team aspect. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like an Ike and Tina Turner, you know, yeah. or, or or whatever. It's like the Eagles. Great example. The Eagles, Glenn Fry and Don uh-huh. Henley. Uh-huh. You know, the, the, to separate them, it doesn't. Is the, is the Eagles probably a Mount Rushmore worthy band? Yes, but individually, you separate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't do it. So. No. I agree. He doesn't deserve Mount Rushmore status either. Um, And here's another reason why. Because not only one, he didn't do it alone. He had Bernie Taupin. But two, musically, he's not really a game changer. Like, he didn't invent a new sound. Yeah, you're right. Or bring a new genre to the table. Like, you could put Elvis up there. Yeah. And you'll hate me for saying this, but someone like Kurt Cobain was a musical game changer. Oh, no, Why did yeah, you do that? I, I, I now, you've, that. now you've yeah. just enabled him. Because now you've emboldened that. him. You, do you know what I mean, though? Like, no, I don't. Oh, because if you think about um, when Cobain and Nirvana and all of those guys came out, uh, they totally changed the sound of music on the radio. And I would say they're game changers, yeah, they right? Yeah, killed, they killed hair metal. Right. right, and they brought in the alternative. the Grunge. Yeah, yeah. grunge. Uh, Elton John, he didn't really do that because you also had Billy Joel who was doing the piano thing. He had Jerry Lee Lewis Wait, who did the t- piano thing before him. Time yeah. I just We gotta stop this for a second. Okay? <laughs> I'm gonna read you some, you're some just, words you're and you're so gonna tell me that, that this, this guy Cobain. deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. I'm not Are you ready? saying Kurt Cobain deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. No, I'm just no, saying he's no, a game no, changer. No. Oh, this is where you open the Pandora's box so we're gonna point out how <laughs> stupid the whole Nirvana thing is. Are you ready? Okay. Here we are now. Uh-huh. Entertain us. Yeah. I feel stupid yeah. and contagious. Right. Here we are now. <laughs> Entertain us. A mulatto an albino, a mosquito, my libido. Yeah, that was a re- That's your Mount Rushmore. That was a reflection of his experience <laughs> with start. fame. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a week and a half. Don't start. <laughs> hey, uh, Gavin Newsom had an interview with Jen Psaki, uh, her lifestyle show, and uh, we've got that coming up from 93 WIBC. <laughs> 
Good morning. It is 11.35. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's so stupid. You can find him, Rob Kendall, on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. You can find me there as well, Casey Daniels, 317. Oh, and at the end of the show, Kevin, you got to give me a list of the songs, and we'll put it up on Spotify so you can get the Kendall and Casey Spotify playlist. So last segment, we were talking about Elton John calling it quits, and Mm -hmm. we got into just a variety of musical topic discussions, Mm -hmm. and towards the end, for some reason, I don't know whether you suffer from amnesia or a victim of <laughs> hypnosis or what. I'm just like the Todd Rokita of the show. I just like to poke the bear a little. <laughs> you you <laughs> proposed putting Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain on some sort of Mount Rushmore of musical... I don't even know what. No, I I was just using Kurt Cobain as an example of somebody who is a musical game changer, whereas I don't believe that Elton John has moved the ball quite in that way. So, okay. Um, and that, and I agree with that. And we need we got to get to Greasy Gavin Newsom, but I just I just want to make sure I understand <laughs> you're putting in the echelon of like musical impact, societal impact, whatever. You're putting. You're putting Elton John below Kurt Cobain. I'm not, ra- I'm not ranking them at well, all. Yeah, but yes, certain, I might. I know what you're saying, though. It's not like Elton John was the Beatles. Right. And uh, <laughs> he didn't have that cultural impact. Well, I but mean, Nirvana did. Nirvana did. They changed how music sounded on the radio completely. <laughs> Even Prince wrote a bunch of songs that other people performed. I mean, Elton John didn't write his own music. That was all Bernie Taupin. Well, we agreed with that. I think it it would prohibit him from being on the Mount Rushmore Mm -hmm. of musicians. I think Mm -hmm. we're in agreement with with that. However, what I'm not in agreement with is you... (laughs) <laughs> no, we're done with this, because I know what you're doing. Just get to greasy Gavin Newsom. Just go ahead. I'm done with this. Okay. <laughs> Gavin Newsom says he does not occasionally watch Fox News. He watches it every single <laughs> night. Staff says that. Well, I mean, we can hear it from him. But he was talking That's with Jen weird, Psaki. isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then he tries to explain why. And... We need to hear him, and then we'll get the hot takes on it. But he was on the latest episode, Inside, with Jen Psaki, her lifestyle <laughs> he, he show. He was one of seven people watching. They were they were casually strolling along, which looked like to be a river, and uh, they were talking about all different things, and they decided that right-wing media was the topic of conversation. I've heard of mainstream media, right-wing media, yeah. different. But uh, he was talking about Tucker and Fox News and Newsmax and everything. So let's hear from Gavin and why he says that conservative media, like perhaps he would list WIBC in that group, that we're contributing to the mental health crisis in America. The one thing I heard from everybody, including the caucus today, is they're so upset about being on the defensive. Mm -hmm. They're so upset about the messaging on the other side, the anger industry, the entertainment wing, particularly of the Republican Party, the surround sound on Fox with these, you know, I don't even like saying his name, Tucker Carlson Mm -hmm. or that other, I don't even know, the guy from the, I mean, it's just like, they're all the same. And what American News and Newsmax and, and what they're doing to divide this country to, you know, where illusion rules. Not facts. Do you occasionally turn on Fox prime time and see what happens? No. Just to see? Not occasionally. Um, 
every night. Every night. And do you think Democrats should still be appearing on Fox or should they not be appearing on uh, Fox? It contributes to the mental health crisis in the state. So on the basis of one's own personal <laughs> conditions, I would not recommend it. My staff is quite literally tried to have interventions with me about it. They say I'm too obsessed with it, but I need to understand it. You want to know what the other side thinks? I don't want to know what they think. I want to see the patterns and what you see are patterns that emerge. So, you know, there's a genre. Mm -hmm. Let's go way back in our mm -hmm. nine to noon, various mm -hmm. shows that have been on nine to noon here since I've worked at this radio station. There is a genre mm -hmm. in the. Yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> you want me you want me to bail you out of this one? There is a genre. There is a genre uh -huh. in the adult world for yeah. people who expose themselves to things that they find painful. Painful and torturous. Right. Yeah. And that is basically what this guy is doing. Mm -hmm. He's like, I am subjecting myself to something I hate. Mm-hmm. Every single like every single day, Casey. Yeah. He's making Fox News viewing a destination for him. Yeah. It's like I occasionally catch it or I this or that. Tell us on the doll where the radio broadcaster or the television broadcaster hurt you. It's so interesting that he said it contributes to the mental health crisis in the state watching right wing media. No, it doesn't. Don't watch it. And then he said his staff has quite literally tried to have interventions with him about it. Okay, if you're upset, and he said, I'm too obsessed with it. Yeah. He said he's obsessed. He said his staff is trying to have an intervention, but it's contributing to the mental health crisis in the state. Dude, turn it off. Uh, uh, Who is he to be talking about mental health crisis when clearly he's having his own issues? Well, and you and I have talked about this before. We have a mutual radio acquaintance who was very successful in terms of this person's the amount of money they made in this business, mm -hmm. on the business side of things, mm -hmm. this person really liked you. Well, why wouldn't they? Didn't really care for me at well, all. again, <laughs> why wouldn't they? And we have often <laughs> talked about how that person had all the money in the world to be able to have whatever joyful experience they wanted to have, mm -hmm. and yet perpetually seemed enraged and angry. Because they liked it that way. Exactly. They loved the drama. Exactly. And it was like you, ever, you could have been everyone's best friend, and your life could have been you know, every day is a joyful day where I take whatever extravagant trip I want or whatever. And yet they would find reasons to be angry about things that it wasn't even things that affected the bottom line or the product or the amount of revenue coming in. Or, I mean, it was just obscure, ridiculous stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is it, right? Like you, you are the governor of the nation's largest state. You are one of the most important or have the ability to be one of the most important political figures in the entire nation. For crying out loud, you are considered alternate B, in some people's world, alternate A, mm -hmm. to your party running for president. And yet you're freely admitting, I expose myself every night to something that I find loathsome and torturous. That is a that is a person that needs to be examined, Casey. I, I don't quite understand what he meant by he's trying to find patterns that emerge. What is he talking about? It, it, it is patterns. Well, well, he a guy like Gavin Newsom. You mean you mean issues? A, a guy like Gavin Newsom once not not only once these things removed, like taken off the air, not to exist. I'm convinced Gavin Newsom would gladly arrest someone like Tucker Carlson if he thought he could get away with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I hate to even say his name. Think about that. 
This guy has, is, is the chief executive of the largest state in the union. This is a GDP higher of most countries. And he's obsessed over a guy who has no power over anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Gavin Newsom can and does affect people's lives every single day. Tucker Carlson has no power over anyone. Well, he's afraid of what Tucker says. You're right. He doesn't want Tucker to have that platform. Yeah, you're right. Or the power or the influence. It, it, and it, it, So to bring it all full circle, mm-hmm. when we talked about earlier about the just bizarre Todd Rokita appearance on Hammer and Nigel, we're just out of left field. He starts taking shots at me. It's the fact that we exist and we have the platform to educate you. And someone like whether it is Greasy Gavin Newsom or terrible attorney Todd Rokita, they hate the fact that we exist, that you can be educated on the shenanigans and bullcrap and incompetence that they pull. They are mad that we breathe. Gavin Newsom is mad that Tucker Carlson is allowed to breathe air Mm -hmm. and educate people. And expose people. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, can we talk about this thing your boyfriend is doing? Money. Oh, you're talking about Vivek? He's given away. This is the. This is either the most ridiculous or I most brilliant. I didn't think about it for a second. Hey, wait, 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 which boyfriend? Which boyfriend hey, are wait, you talking hey. about? I've, 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 I've hopped over to, to so many gentlemen political suitors. Oh, well, you know. Vivek Ramaswamy is doing something that is either the most brilliant political thing I've ever heard or perhaps the most ridiculous. Okay, we'll get into it. It's coming up from 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Vivek Ramaswamy is doing something totally new, totally different, something interesting. He's launching the Vivek Kitchen Cabinet. (laughs) It sounds like something you'd buy on QVC. It does. He says starting today, anyone can fundraise for him and they'll make a commission off of it. Okay, so I this is either the greatest political idea ever or the most ridiculous. Now he's offering he's offering ten percent, right? Yeah. So if you get your friend, you fundraise, you raise a thousand dollars for him, mm-hmm. and you can prove it's you. Well, I think you get sent a special yeah. link or a- something. Actually, we've got the audio of him trying to explain this. Take a listen. This campaign is founded on the truth. Here's the truth of how political fundraising actually works. There's a tiny group, it's an oligopoly of people who raise money, bundling and otherwise, who get to keep a large percentage, sometimes up to 10% of what they actually raise. That doesn't make any sense to belong to a small group of people. I don't like this system as it exists, but if that's the system we're going to have, my view is let's democratize that and make it possible for everybody to make money as well. So if you're supporting me and you're part of this movement and you want to help us actually raise that money, join my kitchen cabinet, new program we're launching, where you help me raise the money, you get a unique link to do it. We'll have a special relationship. I'm going to keep giving you phone calls, telling you how I think you can be most effective for us. But the money you raise, you get to keep 10% of it. Why should it be some member of some managerial class that's a secret closeted group of fundraisers in the cloistered world of politics? It shouldn't be. Okay. Turns out All this right. is how I've actually built my business. I uh, Look, so he is right. There are people who that's what they do for their job is they fundraise mm-hmm. for politicians and they get to keep a cut of the cut of the loot. Now, I will tell you, 10% sounds like a kind of a low commission, right? I mean, that seems a little 
a little low to me. I think that's middle ground. Because here's here's the deal. With the big fundraisers, we're talking about people who can bundle and whatever, millions of dollars. So, you know, 10% on a $1 million buy or, or bid or whatever we're going to call it is a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Well, the average person not bundling together a million dollars for Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, you saying, hey, Rob, I'll let you keep half of it. Ah, now you got my... 50%? Got my attention. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting. He said he's breaking up the cartel, and this could be a side hustle for people. If you're any good at sales, go out and convince all your friends. So basically, you're gonna they're going to send you a... Uh a link and a lot of companies do this for ways for you to get your commission or whatever you know you'll see people say hey use my promo code and save whatever Mm -hmm. uh and then if you give online like affiliate marketing yeah basically Mm -hmm. that then you get 10 percent of whatever you're now i think that's going to be a hard sell for people like hey have you heard about my friend vivek ramaswamy oh he's great he's the best and by the way i get 10 percent of whatever you choose to give him so give generously isn't that a pyramid scheme well, <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly asking, does this sound like a pyramid scheme? Po- politics is a very, very hard um, profession <laughs> to break up for this very reason, that there are people, there are chosen people, there are people who know how to do this, there are people who know how to raise money, and they're very, very, very good at it, and they're very well compensated, and it's hard to get regular people to engage, period, in politics, much less financially, and you need people who know how to do it. So it'll be interesting to see how it how it works out for him. Right, if this uh, boosts his single donors. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, let's talk about people freaking out because it looks like uh, Joe Biden wasn't wearing any socks with his Skechers. <laughs> Okay, so what? He was getting on board Air Force One, and he was on his way to this NATO summit, Yeah, and he didn't have any socks on with his Skechers. Okay, there- and, and He's wearing them like slippers. Yeah, well, and would, would we rule out that Biden is not wearing socks? I mean, would we rule out that Biden forgot to put on right? socks? Uh, it's either that. I mean, he's wearing a suit, so it almost looks like he was getting off of- uh, Marine One, and then he's going to go into Air Force One, and like what? He just kicked off his dress shoes. Do we think Biden actually dresses himself? <laughs> uh, you're laughing. Do you think Biden actually dresses himself on a daily basis? <laughs> I think somebody probably picks out his clothes, lays them out for him. I, I was I was talking to my mom over the weekend. I went and visited her, and you know she's the same age as Joe Biden, <laughs> and she was saying how he needs to get his hair cut, the back of his hair. He's you mean his plugs? It, he's letting it grow too long. Um, but I don't know. Is, is that wrong? There are some shoes that are okay without the socks. Some shoes, you try and wear those no-show yeah. well, there's socks, spare, and they, like, spare, slip sparies, yeah, what the are boat the, shoes. Yeah, boat mm-hmm. shoes. But that, the Skechers are not that. That's gross. That's a gym shoe. Yeah, that's not. What the, he's you, doing. If he is indeed not wearing socks, that's a total party foul. The Sperry's or whatever mm-hmm. they're called, Yeah, uh, I, that's fine. I think that's gross, too. I think if you have something that encompasses the foot... Mm-hmm. And you're out in public. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's one thing. Like if you're, I'm waltzing down to the mailbox 
or you know, pick up the Amazon package or whatever. He's getting on a flight. Yeah, this guy's in, like, he is waltzing around. If you have a shoe that encompasses your foot. You need to have a sock you on. You need to have a sock on because that is gross. Okay, uh, what about flip-flops, the dudes with their dogs out? How no, do you fine. feel about that? I'm, I'm, You're okay no, with that? I'm, I'm fine. If you have, if you are, if the, sh- if the foot is not encompassed <laughs> by a shoe, then you don't have to wear a sock. No, I'm fine with that. A lot of people are not a fan of the men showing their toes. Well, look, I don't notice people's appearances, Casey, so it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that big deal. But I'm just talking about just the thought of the shoe encompassing the foot without any anything around the foot and the sweat mm-hmm. and the mold, the water. It's just that's ugh, it's gross. <laughs> okay. Um, now Shark Tank is coming to Indy, and you're excited about this. So it's Monday, July 17th. Yeah. It's going to be at Indiana, uh, the the Speedway. And uh, what you've got your your pitch. You're ready to go with your proprietary Can the public technology. Go to this? Yeah. Can they watch? Like, is the, is this a like audience viewing, or is this just if you've got an idea? Because my mom loves Shark Tank. That's her favorite show. She just wants to go and watch. She's totally convinced. My mo- my mother is one hundred percent convinced that Shark Tank is not scripted. That it's all just totally legitimate, and mm-hmm. that the conversations that take place on the camera mm-hmm. are not like predetermined and she is I think this would be a great example for her to see so that you can prove to her she's wrong yeah I'm gathering this is not like an audience thing this is like if you've got no this is people who want to pitch to yeah. the casting team uh-huh. the sharks won't even be there the producers are going to be there and they're going to go through all the people and decide who's going to make it to the show she also loves Mark Cuban and I have to continually explain to her what a horrific person Mark Cuban is too <laughs> thank you Rob glad you're back thank you Kevin good job today And thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.